Welcome to Jerusalem Studio Podcast. Join us to discuss the latest updates from Israel and the region. Shalom and welcome to Jerusalem Studio. When millions of Israelis went to the polls earlier this week, they hoped to elect a Knesset, which will be able to form a stable government and rid the country of the curse hovering over it for almost three years now. To analyze whether Jerusalem is expected to finally attain political stability, however, we're joined elsewhere here in Jerusalem by Mr. Mitchell Barak, who's the CEO of Kivun Research Group. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Also joining us from elsewhere here in Jerusalem is Colonel in Reserve Uri Dromi, who is the former director of the government press office. Thank you for joining us as well, sir. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And uh, with me in the studio, of course, uh, Mr. Amir Oren, TV7's editor-at-large uh, and host of Watchmen Talk, Powers and Play, and so much more. Amir, give us a, a broader understanding. What, what emerged out of this election? And is this the result that maybe you didn't expect, but so many others have? Well, expectations and hopes and wishful thinking uh, aside, uh, what uh, is emerging, and one must uh, uh, speak in uh, present continuous, because the votes are being uh, collected and tabulated, and then there are uh, formal uh, mechanisms uh, in order uh, to um, count them to um, the uh, smallest fraction. Uh, but um, the broader picture is that the um, uh, right wing or right of center part of the Israeli electorate, which is apparently more than one half, won the elections. And the other side, the uh, center or left of center half, or uh, a bit uh, less than a half, lost the elections. So this is the uh, simple fact. If you look uh, at the um, popular vote and the electoral result, now, of course, there are other lessons because um, some of the uh, left-wing parties, both the Arab parties and the Jewish parties, refrained from uh, joining together and thereby uh, uh, making sure that they pass the uh, threshold because um, you need at least four members of Knesset or else uh, it goes down uh, to zero. And this uh, skews the uh, final count, but it works uh, uh, on both uh, sides of the aisle. On this matter, for instance, uh, let's say merits with four mandates, uh, waiting for the soldier count, which, where it is less popular, may then uh, lose the, the small margin necessary, 3.25%, uh, in order to pass the electoral threshold, which would then devastate the four mandates and, and leave it outside of Israel's yes, political scene. So we will know it um, in a few days' time when um, it is officially uh, sanctioned. But uh, the uh, most salient uh, facts uh, have emerged uh, already. And uh, we have seen that uh, former Prime Minister uh, Netanyahu, when he uh, pushed uh, two of uh, the right-wing politicians, uh, Bezalel Smotrich and Itamar Bengvir, to form a joint list in order for his bloc, which includes them, to gain more votes. Obviously, he did not expect that they would succeed 
to such an extent that were he to form a government which now uh, seems like the, um, the likely um, uh, result, they would hold the keys to the kingdom. Indeed. Well, uh, so it seems indeed. Mr. Barak, I'd like to ask you, putting uh, those secondary uh, individuals, albeit, of course, primary in, in the capacity to form a coalition, uh, for a moment aside, former prime minister, the longest serving in Israel's history, Benjamin Netanyahu, who uh, both of our distinguished panelists have advised uh, at some point uh, in our brief history, uh, he has taken the reins of power once more, and he's the, the big victor, so it seems. Well, you know, we've, we've said it, I've even said it on this program, he just does not give up. He's an example to every Israeli startup, every Israeli entrepreneur. Uh, he is as, as has the sabra characteristic of being extremely stubborn, and he just doesn't give up. Um, you know, so even when he was kind of disgraced in his fall from being, you know, reject, being thrown out of the prime minister's office by the Bennett Lapid government, he just kept going as head of the opposition. So he definitely, you know, saw something that other people didn't, whereas other people said, you're clogging up the system and let someone else in the Likud leave. Uh, you know, the, he kept going. And as we've said here on the program before, he basically runs unopposed. He's the only person that really says, I am running to be the prime minister of Israel. The other candidates who are running, let's say, for that position, Lapid and Gantz, were not running to beat Netanyahu. They were running to have the best chance to form a government and then possibly be in a rotation. So a lot of Israelis don't like the rotation. They're looking for a leader, someone who's strong. And the face of Israel is reflected by who, vote, who voted yesterday and who what uh, who voted i mean in, in the in the past election and and what the government looks like and the government looks like yes there are some liberal parties yes there are you know other leaders like lapid did very very well as a as a one person party i mean lapid is not someone who anyone who votes for them knows who's on the list gans as a defense minister and leader should have gotten more seats he got together with Gidon Sar's party and he has very quality people on his list, but he was not showing it. And Netanyahu runs and gets a lot of votes. And the votes that went to the right of center camp are all votes that support Netanyahu. So he's done very, very well again. Indeed, I've actually spoken with uh, people in Gantz's uh, close circle who have told me uh, that uh, the fact that uh, Gidon Sal, a former member of the Likud who then uh, started his own party, uh, was actually to his own detriment uh, and uh, didn't uh, help, but actually drove away many people from, for instance, the Likud who were tired of Netanyahu, who wanted guns, and then they saw Sar coming as a backstabber and they decided to leave uh, after all. But Colonel Dromi, uh, what is your take of the current state of play in Israel's political scene? I think uh, we got one bit of good news and two bits of bad news. The good news is that we seem to have a government and uh, whether it's to my liking or not, it doesn't matter. Uh, it seems like Netanyahu is going to form a government and it's it's good for uh, governance sake. The, the bad news are, uh, the two bits of bad news are, one is that he is totally dependent on a, a party which is extreme, which holds a, um, a, 
ideas and ideologies that uh, really will take Israel under Netanyahu uh, into a very precarious uh, direction in terms of dealing with not only with the Arabs, uh, but uh, or with the Palestinians, but also with the Israeli Arabs, and then between what they themselves call uh, the uh, schism between Jews and Israelis. All this is very, very dangerous uh, uh, for a kind of democratic Jewish state that Israel tried uh, to walk the thin line uh, up till now. And the second thing is that um, the government will be dependent also on the ultra-Orthodox parties. And these, these are a lot of people who don't contribute enough to the work so, uh, workforce uh, and also are not uh, insisting on, on, on uh, educating their next generation uh, in order to prepare them for a... Uh, uh, the kind of startup nation that uh, we pretend to be, and and and, and we remember that Netanyahu just uh, during the campaign promised them that, uh, unlike in the states where where where, where the government insisted on uh, ultra orthodox uh, studying the the the, the, the fundamental uh, math and uh, English whatever uh, takes a person today uh, to be successful. In Israel, uh, everything goes. So, so there's a one bit of good news. There's a government. Indeed. Two bits of uh, bad news. It dep- It will heavily depend on people who will take it to the too much to the right and too much to um, uh, areas where the startup nation will not be able to sustain itself. I'm not sure that. Uh... I can identify with them being on the conservative right uh, in this essence or the sense of the definition uh, from an international political perspective. But uh, Mr. Oren, uh, the fact of the matter is, and, and uh, both mentioned uh, this uh, Itamar Benville figure who joined with uh, the settler movement, uh, but he is not necessarily a favored part of that movement. Uh, I know uh, personally that a group that he represents uh, here in Jerusalem has been attacking churches, and uh, uh, he actually represented many of those figures in court, uh, individuals who burned churches in Jerusalem just several years back. So uh, to what degree is Netanyahu, who uh, is a favorite in, in the Christian um, uh, community globally, uh, at least from the conservative part of the Christian community uh, to actually restrain this figure who now he is so reliant upon. He cannot restrain uh, this figure, Bengvir, because um, Bengvir is not content with playing uh, Robin to Netanyahu's Batman. He wants to succeed Netanyahu. He wants his party to overtake Likud uh, either uh, by calling for early elections uh, uh, in which his party will gain more, or waiting until uh, Netanyahu uh, retires. And he's not going to play according to Netanyahu's tune. Now, um, the election uh, was fought mostly on domestic issues. 
even the relationship between Jews and Arabs, Jews and Palestinians is a domestic issue rather than a national security issue, even though it does have national security um, undertones. However, as um, uh, you indicated, uh, internationally, um, a government in which Bengvir uh, would have a senior position, he uh, has already mentioned internal security that is in charge of the police. The police is also operating in the West Bank. This is a very senior position with a cabinet seat, the inner cabinet seat. But this was before. Now that uh, they are uh, heavily represented in the uh, next government, uh, he may even demand as his price to be the um, uh, substitute prime minister. Any price. And uh, this may sound preposterous, but if Netanyahu needs this government uh, because of his legal troubles, he will pay any price. Of course, he will have resistance uh, from within the Likud. There will be problems. This only goes to show you that the uh, formation of the government is not going to be an easy task just reflecting the electoral count. Mr. Barak, you mentioned earlier the fact that Netanyahu was the one who formed this alliance between Ben Gvir and Smotrich. Uh, is he content with uh, this outcome? Is he truly happy? Put aside all, well, all the joy that is uh, showcased on, on the images of the various screens, but he's dealing with a complex issue. Right. Well, first of all, he formed it, but, uh, you know, left a safety valve so he could break it apart. Meaning, you know, Netanyahu is good at getting people to listen to what he does, which is really not good for the democratic process that, you know, the leader of the biggest party is is putting together other parties to run together is even he's promised, you know, in the last election, he promised specific seats on the Likud list to members of the other party if, if they would run in a certain way or if they would do something. This is not really good for democracy. So he put them together. He created the monster, let's say, the Frankenstein of political parties. But he can also break it away. And he can also now break away Ben Gvir and just go with Smutrich if he can find, you know, another partner to do that. Uh, well, you know, one of the things that I had, had uh, said previously is that, you know, the more seats that Smutrich and Ben Gvir get, the more likely it is that he'll try and push for some national unity government or some kind of government where he gets some parties you know, that are that are not specifically on the right side to say, hey, let's make something that represents more Israelis rather than just something to the right, although he would prefer to do something on the right. I still think we haven't heard the end of it, because if Netanyahu is going to be prime minister and let's say, you know, 61 for him is not 61 for Lapid, because his people are pretty solid and his people are not moving anywhere. They're not going anywhere. And he can once he gets 61, he can be a minority government and he can get get that going for a while. And he knows Gantz and Lapid are not going to vote against him on issues that are important for Israel, whereas he and the Likud voted against extending Israeli law to the Judea and Samaria, which was against their ideology and bad for Israel. Um, so that's another point. And I think we don't know who's going to stay in politics. I mean, is Benny Gantz really going to stay another year as a, a four years as a backbencher opposition person waiting for the next chance in the next election? I don't know. Meaning if there are some senior people, is Lieberman going to again hold on, you know, with four seats? We may see some changes as people that have just tired of the system already and tired of fighting Netanyahu 
And you know, if there are any changes there, that can free up some seats and that can change the, um, the outcome. Indeed. Colonel Dolomi, I'd, I'd like to hear uh, your take on this as well, but also from a, a geostrategic perspective. Stability obviously translates into increase of foreign investments, into uh, more uh, credible deterrence vis-a-vis -vis Israel's enemies, uh, but at the same time it also challenges uh, or raises demands for political processes which uh, this right-wing, uh, expected to be a right-wing government at least, uh, will be very, very difficult to to bite into, if you will. Do you see this uh, uh, as a position in which Israel currently uh, will be able to maneuver through in the <clears throat> short to medium term? Uh, and what are the prospects even to the long term on this uh, front? Well, Netanyahu in his speech said that uh, we will, um, of course, maintain security, which this government, current government, didn't do. Uh, and then we will expand uh, peace with, he didn't mention with whom, but uh, obviously this, he didn't mean the Palestinians. Uh, if in this government, which uh, we have to remember, it included labor, merits, I mean, parties which advocate uh, some kind of uh, uh, progress in the Palestinian-Israeli uh, track, uh, this coming government obviously will do nothing about it. And uh, I think it's um, uh, it uh, it uh, spells some um, bad omen uh, to the future because already we see I'm not saying intifada or the beginning of the intifada, but but uh, the Palestinians are or many Palestinians are weary of uh, about the situation and more individuals are taking uh, steps uh, to terrorize the Israelis. Um, and and frankly, I, uh, with all due respect to Netanyahu's rhetoric, in terms of real uh, action, uh, he didn't uh, deliver much. Uh, just take Iran, for example. He made Iran the biggest threat against Israel and and took it, took the war into Obama's court. If you remember, uh, going to the Congress, etc. And then what happened? Uh, Trump pulled out of the of the of the deal, and we got years in which the Iranians that ran around uh, running their uh, nuclear program free of uh, any inspections. And it was precisely the current government, the Lapid, the, the Bennett Lapid government, who wisely maneuvered or managed to work together with the American administration uh, to really curb the Iranian uh, initiatives. So uh, this is one example only, and, and the same with fighting terror, you know. Uh, Mr. Netanyahu is the one who wrote the book about how the West can win terrorism, and when the uh, moment came, he freed, I think, more than 1,000 uh, terrorists, Palestinian terrorists, for one Israeli soldiers, contrary to what he himself uh, advocated in his book. So uh, I don't see this government doing anything in terms of um, calming down the situation vis-a-vis uh, -vis the Palestinians or uh, let alone uh, taking some steps uh, to move forward uh, in the in the Palestinians. And I think we will hear from 
Washington about it. Indeed. Well, uh, if we talk about the Iranian issue, I, I beg to differ. Um, unfortunately, neither this government nor the previous government were anywhere near successful, uh, let alone the fact that the Biden administration has just put aside uh, this uh, topic and is not dealing with it at all at a time when the Iranians are knowingly progressing uh, quite uh, extensively on the, the nuclear enrichment uh, aspect and its uh, program altogether. Uh, and specifically when uh, we're talking about Gilad Shalit, of course, various schools of thoughts, I personally also didn't agree with that uh, position. But Mr. Olin, when, when we're looking on um, the, the two points that also Colonel Tolomino mentioned, one, the fact of the matter, there's a rise in terrorism in uh, the, the West Bank districts, Judea, Samaria, Jordan Valley. It uh, was primarily in the northern Samaria uh, area, but it, it's starting to spill over uh, elsewhere. Wazebreaker earlier this uh, year in March uh, was launched significant successes in the Samaria area with incarcerations of over 1,500 uh, suspected terror operatives, uh, of course, some uh, were uh, freed and, and are under surveillance, but uh, does an analogy with the situation in, in Lebanon in the 80s, in which we saw successes being translated into digging deeper and staying or overstaying uh, in operational capacity on, on the northern front, is this now currently taking hold in uh, the West Bank where Benny Gantz managed to attain operational successes, but instead of strategically alleviating and de-escalating the situation and trying to uh, attain those successes for the long haul, it seems like Israel decided to continue on nightly raids and is continuing uh, in an environment that is being incited deliberately by Islamist organizations, Hamas, Palestinian Islamic Jihad, and such? Well, you know, in Israel, uh, memories are blissfully short. Um, we had um, um, so uh, much worse times here. Um, Colonel Dromi uh, fought in, in several of them. And uh, what uh, is now considered in the media and by politicians a terror wave was really mere ripples um, uh, compared to uh, what we underwent. The, if you take an entire year's worth of civilian casualties, they amount to one terror act which um, actually took place at the bottom of this building where we are now... Um, uh, speaking um, in, in the studio. So um, the situation is not that bad um, tactically and operationally, and I would beg to differ with, with what you called operational successes in Lebanon in the 80s. Um, uh, so at the beginning? At the beginning, it cost Israel hundreds of casualties immediately, uh, many of them from uh, so-called friendly fire. It was a debacle except for Dromi's Air Force, mm. uh, which uh, has always uh, uh, excelled. But, uh, but never, nevertheless, uh, the problem is how is the world going to react to what um, is about to happen here? Because respectability and legitimacy are very important assets, which Israel um, has been in danger of losing as it underwent a transformation from being a David 
to the entire Arab world's Goliath to being a Goliath against the Palestinians. And if you look ahead only six, eight years towards 2030 and the memorandum of understanding giving Israel $4 billion $4 billion a year worth of military aid expiring. And with what we know about American politics, with both extreme right-wing and extreme left-wing factions converging against Israel, the outlook is uh, bleak. And um, a Netanyahu government dependent on a bank fear could worsen it. So the upshot is that Netanyahu does not need this government against Iran or for any other purpose, but only for, uh, in order to get out of his legal troubles. If he can form a government which would uh, stabilize the country for several months, and during this time he could get um, a convenient plea agreement and retire from politics, I would bet that this would be his chosen path. Well, uh, of course, time will tell, but we're drawing near to the end of the program, and I see... Uh, 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 Mr. Barak, smiling in acquiescence. So uh, we'll, we'll give you the opportunity. We, we really don't have very much time. So in roughly a minute and a half, where are we heading from here, Mr. Barak? We are, looks like we're headed towards the Netanyahu government, meaning it looks like he has enough seats to at least unseat Yair Lapid as prime minister, get into the prime minister's office, uh, and, uh, and then maintain power even with a minority government. But he's going to take a very long time and he's going to drain out his coalition partners and or his potential partners. He's very comfortable going with the ultra orthodox. They're very easy to make an agreement with um, and they're very willing to do that. And then he has to see how does he, you know, keep Ben Gvir and Smutrich. How does he get them into the government at the lowest cost for giving up ministries? but also for policies, for making, getting them in line with the policies. And for that, he will see if he has any other options and not bringing him in Indeed. and keeping the Haredim and finding other members of Knesset or other parties that will do that. It is going to take a long time. I don't think that, you know, uh, Netanyahu has shown he likes to wait till the last minute while negotiating and put the pressure on everyone. And no one knows what he's doing until the last minute. Indeed. Colonel Dromi, one and a half sentences, about 25 seconds. I, uh, I, I just to say something general. Uh, it was Lord Acton who said the power corrupts and the absolute power corrupts absolutely. So Netanyahu has been in power for too long. And I, I, I agree with Mr. Barak that he is stubborn. And unlike what uh, Amir said, uh, he will not take any plea, but will change the system. So uh, we are ahead of interesting times. Indeed. Let well, me make a fail-safe prediction. We will time. not be bored. Well, that's a statement. Indeed. Uh, well, this is all the time that we have for today, so I'd like to thank Mr. Barak and Colonel uh, Dromi for being part of today's panel, as well as uh, Mr. Oren. Thank you so very much, and I'd like to thank our viewers as well, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us in another Jerusalem Studio podcast. For more content on Israel and its region, we invite you to visit our website at tv7israelnews.com and follow us on social media.